You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today's guest is a creative catalyst. He's had the good fortune of having a multifaceted career that's allowed him to reinvent himself. Today, he is the creative leadership consultant and coach, partnering with purpose-driven leaders to create impactful and innovative teams. He is the chief creative officer at Pepillon MDC Inc. and Grand Heron International, and he also teaches at the college and university level. With me today is Stefano DeLolo. Welcome to the show, Stefano. Thank you for having me, Samantha. Hi, everybody. Hello. Okay, so I have been following your work for quite a long time, and I am just fascinated by the creativity that pours from your soul. It always warms my heart to hear that. I mean, it always feels great to have someone tell you that. Where did you like tap into this creativity? I'm an only child, and um, unfortunately, I didn't have siblings to play with. Uh, And I know that kind of sounds tragic and sad, but the (laughs) truth is uh, I found ways to entertain myself and I really found this incredible imagination that allowed me to, you know, really explore these sides of myself from an early age. And I'm pretty sure that it's developed from there. It's pretty incredible because you you draw and you're creative in the way that you speak and the way that you engage with others and the way that you share ideas. I mean, this is something that has just become so part of who you are, it seems. Yeah, you know, I would agree. And for the longest time, I think I felt like that made me special. And I've come to realize that it's not as unique as I thought it was. You know, I used to think, <laughs> I used to think it was genetic, that it was in my DNA. Uh, and then I started to realize that I actually think it's in everybody's DNA. Only some people have had the fortune of, you know, exploring more and, you know, allowing themselves to let it emerge. So that's what you help others do, right? Is kind of extract what they thought may be kind of either dormant within them or perhaps even non-existent and you help bring it to the surface. Is that fair? Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. I, I like to always picture it as something that is, you know, locked up inside of us and that if we were only to give it a chance and allow it to kind of rise to the surface, it could give us some incredible ability to, you know, keep exploring and keep unlocking these uh, facets that we already possess. And uh, the only thing I'm always careful of is to, you know, make sure that people understand what I mean by creativity. And so often people assume that I mean the artistic side of things, but I see creativity as, you know, encompassing a lot more than just that aspect of it. So what else do you take into consideration when talking about creativity? So for me, I mean, you know, most things that involve human interaction, uh, most things that involve, you know, trying to solve some form of a problem, divergent thinking, this conversation that we are having right now, it all involves so many levels of creativity. And, um, we don't realize how easy it is to actually suppress a lot of these very human creative ways. And I think it's in part because of the, you know, the education system that we go through. And sometimes it's factors from our personal lives that have affected us, but ultimately 
you know, really creativity can seep into everything that we do, especially when it comes to organizations and leadership. That is an incredibly creative aspect of how we deal with teams and collaborate. And are you ever met with any kind of resistance, either within organizations or otherwise, that people who don't necessarily see creativity the way you do, are you met with any kind of pushback of, no, you know, I'm just, I'm not a creative person or I don't work with a creative team? Absolutely. I mean, on a personal level, certainly people usually tend to give me the line, I'm not creative or I wouldn't even be able to draw a stick figure if you asked me to. <laughs> That's, and, I've said uh, that so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's the very common, you know, mantra that people like to tell me. Um, and the truth is that there are probably some people drawing nothing more than just stick figures and making a lot of money at it, you know, and being, you know, recognized for doing this very well. So it's funny how we diminish the stick figure drawing. But at the same time, um, in organizations, I think that it is easy to assume that creativity should be reserved to a very specific type of person. And leaders sometimes don't realize how creative they are just leading their team. So definitely get the pushback. And um, surprisingly, sometimes I don't get the pushback. Sometimes people are very open to it and are very willing to explore. So it really does go both ways, but uh, it can intimidate some people. In, uh, in, uh, in meetings, you can quickly see the dynamics shift when suddenly we're asking people to be a little bit more creative or think outside the box. You can actually see how some people change their whole demeanor, their behavior changes because they're suddenly feeling a little intimidated by the process. But wow, is it a great feeling when people can get beyond that and right. truly be themselves. It's, 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 it's incredible. So how do you facilitate a change like that where you, they're feeling either intimidated or maybe just completely wowed by their ability to step into their creativity? How do you keep that momentum going? Well, you know, within an organization, usually before I, let's use this in quotation marks, diagnose anything, um, I really try to study the dynamics of the team, how they're working together. What's, what's the culture like within the work environment? And it is very rare that I've met a team where people just aren't creative enough or they can't generate ideas. Usually what it takes is a little bit of tweaking, you know, changing a little bit of the way they collaborate with each other, the way they structure their days, the routines that they develop. And so I won't say that it's something that can change overnight, but it is something that once you basically open an organization's mind to the ability that teams have to be creative, to be innovative, to be impactful, you know, suddenly you can see some incredible things taking place. And when these incredible things start to take place, you have people that are showing up really happy, motivated, excited, really ready to make some changes. And, uh, and really, I think there is no organization that would push that away. You know, teams really can thrive within the organization and that in turn allows the organization to thrive as well. Mm. I love that. It is super important. I mean, employee engagement and creating an environment that employees feel that they can engage, that that creativity can be explored and promoted if they've not felt it before. I mean, this is really what one of the things anyway, that will set organizations apart. And we're in an employee's market right now. And employers are thinking about what can we do to really be an employer of choice. And I think this is just such a nice way 
to help their employees feel like there's a real place for them to grow there. Absolutely. And I often specify that I help purpose-driven leaders because I think purpose-driven leaders see beyond, you know, the organization's ultimate goal of making money. But really what you want is people that are showing up healthy, happy, excited, and willing to really reach their full potential for your organization. And so I love the way you put it because that is truly the type of environments and type of organizations that I'm looking to work with. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. And in speaking before this episode, you described change as the one thing we can count on to heal us despite the discomfort that it's so often hidden behind. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) That is powerful. It's exactly how I feel though. And my goodness. So it's, it's so much more than engagement and culture and ROI. I mean, it has this healing component. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, when I think of my own life, every single time there has been a change, it often felt uncomfortable. It felt scary. It felt like something I wasn't sure if I wanted to go ahead with. Um, And I often say that people can be very resilient and they can find comfort in discomfort because at least you know what you're getting. Right. That having been said, every single time that I've experienced a change, ultimately it's always helped me in some way. It's healed some wound that I needed fixing. It's, it's, it's helped me grow as a person, as you know, a professional. It really, truly, I think, heals us on so many levels. We don't even realize it. And sometimes we fight the change. And I've witnessed this in other people as well, things that they were terrified of, that they knew that they needed to do for themselves, for their well-being, but they were terrified of this change You know, once they get past that change, they look back on it with a new perspective and say, wow, I am so pleased and happy that I went through that. And so that's why I I mean, I think change is the one thing that is consistent. It always takes place. We can't fight it. And I think it really does heal us. That's beautiful. And I I, I wouldn't want to picture a life without change. Yeah, I, I really, I really feel that way. It actually, you say it's beautiful, and I like hearing you say that, and I actually think to myself, that is actually quite beautiful. Like, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 is actually, it is actually a great thing, and I think we live in a world where so often we see change as this negative thing. We want to hold yeah. on, but we've got to let it go, you know? I agree. There are so many people, myself included, I, I would be lying if I said there haven't been multiple times in my life, in my business, where I have been really resistant to change. I have been hesitant to try something new. I have blocked out any idea of doing things differently when I have grown so comfortable and kind of set in my ways. But, you know, as cliche as it is, I mean, growth happens when you decide to challenge your way of thinking, challenge the way you're doing things, learn something new, try something a little differently. And that's where, that's where the beauty is. It doesn't come in doing the same things you've done always. It comes in understanding that your perspective and the way you've done things is not the only way to look at the world. Absolutely. I love that. And I agree a thousand percent. And that's why I link you know, change to creativity once again, because to me, change is this opportunity 
to be creative once again, to not do things like we've always done, mm. to be better, to strive for something new. And I love the way you put it there. Yeah, it came full circle. Well done. That's your creative brain. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been through some pretty significant changes in your professional journey. What have some of those changes been for you? You know, I think the beginning of my career was so focused on me. And I mean, we're all to a certain degree focused on ourselves and on our, on our own career development. But I was truly enjoying, you know, my creative journey. And I almost feel like I've never truly been addicted to anything other than, you know, exploring my creativity. So I was in this really egocentric, you know, self-centered place and enjoying myself. And then one day something completely changed for me and I started to lose that feeling. I started to lose that, that fulfillment, that satisfaction in doing just that, in growing and, you know, moving forward. And I started to get really concerned. I felt like I had this kind of a hole within me that was starting to grow and I wasn't getting my fix. And of course my fix, I mean, I wasn't getting the satisfaction from even just being creative. And I started to realize I really was, it was time for a change. I, I think I was probably living most of my life for the expectations of others. Hmm. And uh, although I had enjoyed a portion of it, I started to feel like something was wrong. And for the first time in my life, I was very concerned because something felt off and I was not in a good place. And I, and I kept moving towards this dark place and I was trying to find ways to, you know, shift my direction somehow. Right. And, um, you know, on paper, I think I had it all. I had a great job. I was, you know, moving up the corporate ladder, if you will, uh, you know, had a director job and I had a team of creatives working with me. And, um, then one day, uh, the organization I was working with, and you know, I was really loyal to this organization. Um, sometimes I felt like I had their logo tattooed right onto my heart. <laughs> one day, uh, you know, I started to realize that I think their values, their beliefs, the direction they were headed in, and my own values, beliefs, and direction that I wanted to head in, you know, the body of work that I wanted to create, those were no longer aligned. So I was starting to get a little worried there because I realized like I needed to do something differently and strange how the universe sometimes plays these little games with us. They came to see me and they basically said, you know, we're going through some tougher times. The economy isn't what it should be. And so uh, every department has been asked to let go of people. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, it's your turn. You, you need to let some of the people that are working with you go. And, uh, to me, that was a bit of a revelation um, in the sense that I, I just knew I couldn't do it. And I cared about the people who were working for me. It's not that I couldn't do it only because I wanted to protect them. But the other reason I couldn't do it is because I just realized that that was the final straw. I just, I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. Right. And, um, and so basically, I basically told them I couldn't do it. And I basically said, you know, if you need to save money here, why don't you just get rid of me? 
And uh, people say that that's very heroic at the time. And it actually is not as heroic as I like to think it is because honestly, I was doing this in part for my own well-being as well. I, I knew I needed the change. I knew that this was something that maybe was in the best interest of both the organization and myself. And you know what? They told me that I was out of my mind and that, <laughs> you know, they said, you know, like, listen, we're going to, we're going to talk about this in, in six months or we'll, we'll be back at the table. Just, just let things simmer. And I walked away thinking like, wow, I haven't been hurt. And now I really knew that I needed to change. And strangely, a few months later, I guess they reflected on, on my, on my conversation there and they actually let me go. Um, and you know, most people would say that that's supposed to be a horrible change in your life when you get mm -hmm. let go. Uh, and of course I was laid off and not fired, but you know, it's a big change. And I felt incredible that day. I mean, I drove home quite literally laughing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, you know, it's one of those bizarre stories because at the time when I told everybody, everybody was like, oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're, I'm so sorry. You're, you're in denial, aren't you? Like this is, this is going to kick in in a few days and you're going to realize what just happened. And, um, you know, I felt like I was a conforming chameleon mm. before that point. I felt like I was just adapting to environments, to people, to the kind of work that I was doing. But in that moment, I felt like I just shed that chameleon skin. And for the first time, I regrew my, my wings. And I was able to take flight and become something new. And quite honestly, I, I haven't looked back a day since. Uh, and it, it just feels great to know that I made this massive change. And uh, I didn't know where I was headed, you know, no, no clearly defined path. But man, is that sometimes just what the doctor ordered? It's such an incredible story and I love your passion behind it. You seem like a very optimistic person, but I got to ask, was it as easy as you're making it sound? Like it was obviously a necessary change, one that you were happy with, but I imagine there are people listening who are like, dude, that's not at all what it feels like to be let go from a job. And so obviously there are different experiences, but it seems like it was a very easy transition for you. Was it as easy as it sounds? That's a great question. I've never been asked that actually, but you know, it, there were elements of it that was, that was certainly difficult. You know, it was emotional to leave my team go. And I think the emotions were felt both ways. That part was difficult. So I, I don't want to make it seem like that change didn't affect me in any way. But you know, as a coach, you know that people, people like to give their narrative, their story of how something played out. Right. And I question whether the narrative I give is quite literally, um, you know, a romantic creative story of how it played out. But when I look back, I really feel like I think the idea of something bigger and better ahead mm -hmm. overpowered my concern. And I'm going to kind of say that that must be why I really do feel like it was effortless, but I'm not suggesting that those kinds of changes will be effortless for everybody. For some reason, I guess I had just come to terms with what I needed to do. So that's right. what made it a little easier for me. I'm hoping that that's what it is. Otherwise I'm telling a great story that I'm falling for here and that I'm believing. <laughs> but, uh, but it feels, looking back, it feels like it was effortless. But it probably wasn't as effortless as it sounds. I totally get where you're coming from. And, you know, I've got a coach of my own too. And, you know, we have these types of conversations and I, 
we try to maybe unpack just some of the things that I think about and that I feel about and the potential roadblocks and what it is that I want to achieve that I want to achieve, sorry. And we look at, you know, like let's let's go down memory lane for a little bit. Let's look at some of the decisions that were made, some of the choices that were made, and how did those feel? And I I talk about some of them and I get the same feedback where it's just like, well that sounded really easy. And for a split second I feel almost guilty where I'm just like, oh my gosh. I, like, am I doing it a disservice? Am I, am I skipping over the trenches and the mud and the messy parts? And, and the reality is sometimes change isn't messy. And just because it's not difficult doesn't make it less challenging. It's just sometimes when it's the right move, it feels good. Yes. Change doesn't have to be so difficult and so tragic. Sometimes it just it just makes sense. But I do think that the determining factor could be where your head is at in your mindset mm-hmm. in that moment. And so, of course, if you're going to resist and fight the change, then certainly it's a lot harder than if you've already accepted that the change needs to take place. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I talk a lot about imposed success and we kind of fall into the trap of wanting what we're taught to want and being satisfied with what we're showed should satisfy us that we don't take enough time to really understand what's going to make me happy. What's going to make me feel fulfilled. Um, But if we, if we take the scenario of someone who's in a job that they don't necessarily like, and they're in there for far too long. And I mean, like we all know that that is a very real possibility. We've either been those people, we know those people, But if we remove that context and just speak a little more generally, do you have a creative way when you, when you do meet with these people and have conversations who don't know what they want? Like, is there a creative way that you get them to start thinking about like, what's going to really light you up? Absolutely. Now the first thing, and this is a bit of a judgment here, but I don't believe that people don't know what they want. I believe they refuse to maybe dive deep enough to figure out what they want, but I actually Mm. think we all know what we want at all times. And so the way I like to basically use a creative method to get people to get this out is I actually like to mind map. And I like to mind map in kind of a very dynamic atmosphere where the person feels completely free to just put everything out there and not feel guilty putting what they truly want out there. Because if you go and ask somebody, let's say it's a family member or a close friend, you know, what you think you want, they will respond probably what they think you either want them to say or what they want for you. Mm -hmm. But I think that really it's about just allowing your imagination to go. Really, you know, putting it and plotting it all out. In, in a visual way, I usually like to use entire walls if that's available to me and allowing the client to really just scribble out, doodle, whatever it takes, everything that they've ever desired in their life. So this is like dream big, like no holes barred. We're just like, whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever is in your imagination, just out of your head and into the world onto the right. Exactly. And it's dream big without any restraint. So for example, if I decide, you know, I've always wanted to be an Olympic athlete. Now the truth is that my age and and, and, and in my physical condition, it's probably a bit late to be an Olympic athlete. But that having been said, 
there's no reason why you shouldn't put that out if you've wanted to be an Olympic athlete your entire life. Now, I'm not going to suggest that the person can become an Olympic athlete, but what I'd love to see is what's really gone through their desires, their wants, where they would have liked to be. And I like to look for patterns to see, well, what was it about being that Olympic athlete that really got you excited? Mm. What truly ignites your passion? And so what we tend to do is we tend to categorize things. We tend to categorize wants that we want in the professional world and then wants that we want for hobbies and then wants that we want with our families. And we're really great at doing this. But the truth is there are probably some liaisons between those desires and those wants. Very able to put that out visually, you may more easily be able to see the links between what is in common or are there patterns that are suddenly forming between you know, what you wanted, maybe when you were a child, maybe what you wanted five years ago, maybe what you want right now. And I think that is a powerful, powerful way. And then what I usually suggest is that that visual remain in sight. So I truly believe out of sight, out of mind. So then therefore I go with the opposite. It must stay in your vision. You need to keep looking at this because, you know, a lot of things will come to you when you're not doing this kind of a brainstorming process. And it's incredible what people reveal about themselves and what they truly had buried really deep down inside. It's an incredible thing to see it come out. I love it. I'm a huge, huge fan of mind maps. I am fortunate. I've got some pretty big empty walls that I completely consume. (laughs) I just, Bristol boards, paper, post-its, you name it. Whatever I can stick up there goes up there. And I find it's just such an interesting way to almost bridge the left and right brains because I am, I am a thinker, but I am also a doer. And as much as I love to imagine and to create in my mind and, and, and in life, but I mean, to visualize what I can bring to life, I also like to know how I'm going to do it. What are the steps that I'm going to take? What am I going to do today, tomorrow, next week, the month after? And I love this exercise because you don't only get to see what is kind of in the depths of your heart and soul, but you get to see that it's actually feasible if you break it down, if you take one step at a time, one bite at a time, and make you know incremental progress towards this vision, whether that's becoming an Olympic athlete, whether that's starting a business, whether that is actually taking a week off for self-care, I mean, you get to see what you need to do to make this happen. Absolutely. And you know, now I haven't gone into great detail about the mind map, but of course, what we put onto that can also be things like our values and our beliefs. And, and you know, and so it's not just about this is what I want career wise, but you're putting a lot out there and you're right that this is what it's all about. And it's just such a liberating feeling to really get, get that all out there. It really is. And some people get concerned because they think I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to be drawing, but I mean, it could be words. It could be, I mean, it could be so many things. We have so much going on within us and inside our minds that to get it all laid out nicely is just an incredible feeling. You know, it's basically a map. And even if there's chaos, that doesn't mean that's the way it's going to stay. You know, you're going to find your path. And right. so it's a question of where you are now and where you want to be. And I love uh, it. You know, so many people, they, they leave their job and they were miserable and then they're looking for a new job that is the exact same job that they just left within a similar organization. And I always question why that is. Why are you repeating things that you know aren't right for you? So, mm-hmm. you know, 
I like to make sure that people have ways and methods of basically being able to break out of that pattern. Yeah. And that awareness is essential. I mean, and if you're not putting the time in to understand it and to analyze and to consciously break those patterns and those habits, then you're going to end up in the same loop. And I think you're absolutely right that by visualizing it and putting it, you know, taking it out of our head and putting it into reality on a wall, on a notepad, on something that you can physically look at, it becomes more real. And when you know what you're working with, then you can start to make changes. Absolutely. I feel like we should be making one together soon. Oh my God. A little <laughs> creative brainchild. This sounds wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about creative leadership in organizations. I think we're kind of going into almost um, the personal territory, but the reality is we are all leaders in some capacity, whether that is in our household, whether that is in our communities, whether that's in our organizations. And so how can someone make subtle changes in their life to practice creative leadership? That's fantastic. I mean, the first thing I think people need to do is to evaluate, um, you know, what are the things that basically, if it comes to work, if we're just looking at work, what are the things that get you the most excited about your work? What are the most exciting things about, you know, other elements of your day that aren't necessarily work related? Um, and what I'm getting at is when you can evaluate what is getting you very excited and what isn't working for you, then you can actually start to build some routines. Mm -hmm. And so what I really think is a powerful way of building creative leadership, first of all, is if whether you're alone or working with a team, rarely do I think we all, we don't really usually get the opportunity to just be quite literally alone in our bubble. Usually we have to interact with people. I really think collaboration routines are really essential. And I also think, you know, making sure that there is some form of fun and excitement integrated into your work for creativity on a daily basis is a very powerful thing. Rather okay, hang on. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. But before we get too far away from this, can you explain sure. what, um, what did you say about collaboration? Collaboration routine. What does what is a collaboration routine? So I think it's actually very healthy to create a routine. Now it doesn't have to take place daily, but it's fun if it can, where you quite literally create some form of an activity, even if it's not necessarily, uh, you know let's say related to the projects in the pipeline, but an activity that allows a team to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, I work on my own, so you know, I can't really do that. Well, then I think it's even more necessary for you to create some form of a routine that offers an opportunity for you to collaborate with somebody. So for example, uh, I like to call them like maybe mini brainstorms where you are brainstorming something about, let's say, it could be as simple as your work environment. How are we going to improve the environment? What, what's working for us and what's not working for us? Let's come up with some ideas. Or let's come up for some ideas for this project that we haven't started yet, but that we know eventually we're going to get there. And, you know, without the pressure of having to deliver for a deadline or for a meeting or for a manager, I believe it's really healthy to have these collaborative activities on a daily basis. Now, of course, you know, that may not work in every single environment, but for most, I think it's something you can have access to. Mm -hmm. And, and these routines can be very game-like. 
You know, I actually do this thing, but uh, I don't want to jump too much into the details, but it's actually called Lego Serious Play. And it's basically where we try to solve problems with nothing more than Legos. Hmm. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's actually, uh, I believe that the Lego Corporation actually can certify facilitators for Lego Serious Play. But the incredible thing is that the minute we start to play, we actually completely change the way we behave. And I believe, I can't remember who it was, but someone incredible and great said that you could learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. Wow. And, uh, and so routines like that, you know what? They may seem infantile to some. For a very hardcore businessman, they may not see the return on investment on such an activity. But I have to say, when you see how people start to collaborate in you know, projects that really, truly are crucial for the organization, you realize that it's a very worthwhile environment um, to kind of cultivate when you have this kind of collaboration going. So for me, one thing for creative leadership is as a creative leader, you should be organizing these kinds of experiments, these kinds of exercises for your team to feel like they can be themselves, like they can have fun, like they can be creative without the pressures that we usually have when it's, you know, when it comes to work. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that can be pulled through and no matter, you know, what area of your life you are considering yourself a leader or others are looking up to you as a leader in, in collaboration, in having fun, in play, we get to have authentic communications. We get to build trust. We get to communicate with people in an entirely different way so that when we need their support, their buy-in for anything that we're trying to build or co-create, it makes it that much easier. Absolutely. You know, I have this thing that I call a creative council and they're actually just people that I truly respect. Uh, I respect them as people. I respect them uh, in terms of, you know, the opinions and the advice that they give. And I actually call them up sometimes and say, guys, I want us to assemble here. Uh, I will buy you drinks. Let's go out. And this is a problem I'm having and let's just have some fun with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it can really, for the solopreneurs, for the entrepreneurs who don't get to work with too many people, it can really revitalize your entire, like, you know, motivation uh, to stay in this and to have fun. And so, yeah, you know, this does, this, this can apply to anybody. And of course there are always little challenges you can give yourself without involving other people, but I sure think things get a whole lot more creative and human when you're actually interacting with others. I couldn't agree more. You've shared so many nuggets, little pieces of gold with us today. If people want to learn more about you and what you do, where can they get in touch with you? So that's very easy because I am, quite literally on probably every social media platform, including TikTok, which is... Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of like some people are like, hey, isn't that for children? But I'm like, well, you know what? Uh, I, you've probably heard me say this before. It's not my quote, but you know, the creative adult is the child that survived. And so uh, I feel like a child sometimes. And I think it goes back to the whole play thing. But I am on, I mean, LinkedIn, clearly. Uh, my, my profile is there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you name it, Snapchat. I have my website, which is www.stefanodelolo.com. Stefano, you are incredible. Thank you for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Like I told you earlier, uh, Samantha, I am honored. I love everything that you do. So it really means a lot to me that you asked me. 
Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action. Thank you.